The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Pastor Severio, the story of Pentecost is exciting to me and, and amazing, almost unbelievable when you think about uh, just the image. I mean, if we close our eyes and we think about the image of, of the disciples, the apostles praying, and as they prayed, a mighty wind blew through the place and tongues of fire rested on each of them, and they spoke. And everybody from all over the known world heard in their native language what they were saying. And, and so someplace in between the words that were coming out of the apostles' mouth and the hearers, the, the, the people heard. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded sometimes that every Sunday morning is just like that, particularly when, when I get get done preaching and think, wow, I'm, I need to apologize for putting the people through this. And folks come up and say, Pastor, how did you know? How did you know that I needed to hear exactly that? And I'm like, thanks, God. Um, because somewhere between the words that came out of my mouth and, and the, the hearer's ears, the Holy Spirit works to, to bring about the message of God's saving power and, and we don't see fiery tongues anymore so much. Um, we may not hear the rush of a mighty wind in this place, but we do know God's amazing grace. Every time we gather for worship in any setting, every time we serve on the some other place or the Kairos or the standing line at Sleep in Heavenly Peace, we have found a way as a congregation in the midst of our differences and distinctions to, to be bound together by the power of the Holy Spirit, to work together that is, that is so far beyond any one of us and, and so all gathered together as all of us in a way that, that, that I think it brings us back to the, the early life of the early church that we may have been scattered from all over our known world to this place. And we're here to love this city with the heart of Christ. Every time I think about this story and about our congregation, I'm reminded of of the instructions that Jesus gave the, the disciples before His ascension. He said, remain in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And we as a congregation have been obedient to those instructions. We have remained in the heart of the city to love the city with the heart of Christ. And now we have before us to live with the passion of Jesus, this love that God showers upon us, being obedient to Christ's call to remain in the city and to love this city passionately, um, 
Those are some of the things that, that the Spirit stirs up in me about this passage. Um, what's been stirring in your heart? So I love that you point out uh, that all of the things that we do in relation to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because really, without the power of the Holy Spirit, all we have, uh, if, if it's preaching, all we have are words. Right. Uh, if, if it's things like building beds and um, serving food, all, all we have are acts, you know, are, are good things. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes these ordinary things, ordinary words, ordinary projects, and empowers it to be life-transforming experiences for everybody that encounters those moments. Yes. Um, and I'm reminded that in the chapter, right before the one we just read, when Jesus speaks to the, to the disciples and said, uh, you will receive power mm -hmm. when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then, he says, you will be my witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth. Uh, I think that's a, a, an important reminder for us in the church that without that power, all we have are ordinary words, ordinary acts, ordinary skills. And yet, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes all of those things and, and mm. makes it into what we would call ministry. Um, and I'm reminded that it's not in our, in our own strength. Mm. It is not in our own abilities. And it's not even of the, of the best that we have. It's not in the, in the quality of the best that we have, whether it's talents, whether it's resources. It fully depends on the power of God. Amen. And I think we see that this is the will of God for the church. I mean, to wait for the power, not to trust on our might, not to mm -hmm. trust on our skills, but to wait for that power to be the one that sends us out and transforms the world. One of the things that, I, that I've learned as I've grown, uh, just listening to God and, and, and trying my best to follow the, the the leading of God in my own life is that the power of the Holy Spirit comes in response to two things for us as Christians. One is in response to our obedience to God. Mm -hmm. Very important. I mean, we, we cannot be empowered by God to do the things of God if we're not obedient to God. And so when Jesus says, stay, stay in the city, the very first thing that we read in chapter 2 is that they re the disciples returned to the city and they did just that. And the other thing is something that you touched on is the passion by which, by which we follow Jesus. Um, and you see this, um, I think, when they gather in the upper room and, and it says that the disciples devoted themselves to constant prayer. I've often shared one thing that I, that I learned, I heard someone else say, and I, I adopted it as my own uh, just thing to repeat all the time, is that there's a difference between praying for our work and understanding prayer as our work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that has a lot to do with the passion that we have for God. We just want to spend time with God. We just want to spend time searching for the will of God in our lives and, and getting better at listening and getting better at distinguishing what that is, and then going after that with all that we have. Mm. So when I was 19 years old, 
uh, one of the ways that, that I felt God teach me this very thing. I was 19 years old, and I, and I found myself with a, uh, some family and other uh, youth from my church. We had crossed the border to the other side in Laredo, Mexico, and there was a youth convention of a Methodist church there, hundreds of, hundreds of youth there gathered. And the last night, we, we finished this conference. It was like a two- or three-day thing with the concert. It was a well-known Spanish uh, Christian artist, and we, I had some connections, and uh, we had front-row seats. It was awesome. And, uh, and so we, we, we had this entire concert, and towards the end, he, he starts singing the song. They start singing the song that they invited us to sing along. And I don't remember the entire song, but I remember the chorus. It said in Spanish, Y si tuviera que ir hasta el fin del mundo, yo iría por ti. In English, that means if I had to go to the ends of the earth, I would go for you. Now, to be sure, we were singing this to Jesus, not to our girlfriend. Like this right. is, I would go to the ends of the earth for you. And uh, I remember the, the band leader, uh, stopping and saying, hey, I feel like some of you have to make this your prayer tonight. Uh, just express your passion for the Lord this way. And would you stand and would you pray this song with us? So I remember distinctly the feeling as a 19-year-old college student with the typical things that you see in most 19-year-olds. You're not really, you know, you're still in college. You, you don't really have anything to give, you have no money, you haven't finished your degree. Uh, and, and in my case, I didn't really even know what I was doing with my life at 19, you know. Uh, but I really felt this passion for God and I really resonated with this song. But mostly what I remember from that time of prayer was my conversation with God saying, God, I'm 19. I don't know anyone, really, to get to the ends of the earth. There's all this exciting stuff that we're singing about. I don't really feel like I have anything special to give. And mostly my prayer was just pointing the obvious to God. And sometimes, do you feel that way? Like, we're just, yeah. like God doesn't already know. And so we, we finished that prayer. We finished that concert. We drove back to Baytown that night to be at worship. And I was a worship leader. And so I remember getting to church, and one of the band uh, people in the band came up to me with a cassette tape. Now, we were early adopters, as you can clearly see. He came up to me with a cassette tape, and he said, I'm going to record the worship service because a guy from TBN Studios came to, wanted to listen to the worship band. They were looking for a band to go on one of their shows. And... I've seen these shows. I mean, they, had, they have like a big old golden grand piano and golden stairs, and like there's nothing about me that says golden grand piano and golden stairways. They must have gotten the wrong church. They must have gotten the wrong worship band. Absolutely not. And so in my mind, I'm already making excuses, right? Not, like this isn't going to work. I mean, go ahead and send the tape. They probably don't even have something to play that on. It's okay. About a week later, I get a call from this guy. And I already had exercised in my mind every answer that I was going to give to him for, obviously, you've been mistaken. I don't know who told you what about us, but we were about a bunch of 18, 19, 17-year-olds making music for Jesus in church. Probably about 
two or three years away from being decent, uh, they obviously had the wrong church. And yet the first thing this guy says to me on the phone, he's like, we're a new show. We get broadcasted in all these Latin American countries in Spanish. It's a show for you. And we're not looking for rock stars. What I heard on that tape was your passion for God, and that's what we need on our show. Mm. So I'm sitting here on the other end of my, my line. I'm like, what do I say to that? I mean, he took away every excuse that I had worked up all week to tell him why he had gotten the wrong people. And so, and then what happened is what often happens when you decide to obey God. Everything goes wrong. <laughs> I lost my voice for like two, two weeks. You know, we, we said, okay, if we're going on the show with the great golden piano, we better practice every day because, you know, they're going to find out we don't belong there real quick if we don't do that. And I lost my voice. The day that we had to go, we were going to have one final rehearsal, and the bass amp blows. So we spent all that time going all the radio shacks in town, finding a little fuse and putting that together, didn't practice a single note. And then what often happens to ministry in Texas, you get on the church bus, yep. you turn it on, and the AC goes out Yep. in the summer. <laughs> and so we had to drive to the studio, literally drenched in sweat. I'm like, this is obviously... Like, this is obviously the devil, right? We need to pray right now. And, and by that point, I just wanted to get this thing over with. I mean, luckily, we'd taken two shirts because they told us, we're going to record two shows. So bring an extra shirt so it looks like it was a different day. And so that came in real handy after being drenched in Texas sweat. And we finished the whole thing. And I was just glad to be over to be done and over with. It's like nobody in Texas will ever see this. I mean, it's going to be in other countries. We'll just forget it ever happened. And about a week later, in, in a personal prayer time with God, I felt God really clearly remind me about that prayer at the mm. concert. I felt God really clearly point out, you remember when you said you were only 19 mm. and that you didn't know anybody and then you didn't have the skills and that you didn't have the resources or the connections or anything at all that would make you be able to do something for me. Mm. And I felt God ask, how did these people find out about you? The ones that invited you to the show. Honestly, to this day, I don't know. And where did they say they were going to broadcast this little 30-minute segment? And I listed the places. Well, Latin America, South America, Spain. So it sounds like you really didn't need to do anything, did you? Mm. It sounds like they weren't looking for rock stars, were they? And I felt in that moment that the Holy Spirit taught me a lesson that I carry with me to this day. God is not looking for rock stars. Mm. 
He'll use your rock star skills if you have them. Bring them on. But what God is seeking is the church. It's you and I that are willing to follow God with our obedience, trusting God to lead us where we need to be, where, when we need to be. Yes. And then being there in that moment, for that time, for that purpose, with all the passion for God that we can express. Yes. Mm. It's not in our might. No. It's not in our skills. Mm. It's not in our power. It's always been by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know. Hmm. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit, Severio, um, that we are sent everywhere we go. Um, as, as United Methodist clergy and parsonage families, it's easy for us to understand that we are sent because every so often we get a telephone call from a district superintendent on behalf of our bishop that says, congratulations. <laughs> and we know when the first words out of the superintendent's mouth are congratulations is, is that we better get the packing boxes out of the attic. Um, I've got some for you in the Thanks. attic. Come by this afternoon. We'll, I'm running low. We'll work on that. Um, and so it's easy for us as, as parsonage families to understand that we are sent. Um, it's not always easy to understand the whys of that. And, and um, what we come to know after years of, of doing this is, is that we each have different gifts and evidences of God's grace. And, and what the bishop and the cabinet do is to discern the needs of each congregation, the needs of each parsonage family, um, the gifts and graces that each congregation has, and the gifts and evidences of God's grace that each pastor has, and the needs that are just beyond the congregation in what we call the mission field, who we're not yet reaching. And as they live in that discernment, sometimes we as clergy move. We pack up our belongings and our families, and we are sent to serve in a different congregation. You, you mentioned um, you don't know how you'd ever get used to this part of that, the transitions. I don't either. I wish I had a word to say um, something happens and it becomes easy, but it, it's this tangled mess of love and friendship and hard work and Texas sweat um, all together within the body of Christ that, that binds us in such ways that even when we move, we remain connected with each other. That's one of the things that I love about about our expression of ministry as, as a denomination, as, as congregations within that denomination, is, is that we remain connected even when we're sent to new places. And, and, 
And, and the thing that, that I think is essential for us to understand as a people, even when, I mean, how many got up this morning and said, I'm going to go to First United Methodist Church downtown today. I am choosing to do this. Even when we choose to go do something, it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that God is sending us to that place in that moment. Just last evening, we were out of Sudafed. So I went to the, 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 the nearest place to purchase that, that that was open late, and, and everybody was working hard. Everybody was busy. And, and there were rows and rows and racks and racks of prescriptions, and they were working diligently. And they said, we'll be right with you, sir. We're sorry. We're, we're almost done. We'll, they apologized three or four or five times. I said, hey, it's easy to be patient when you see hard work happening. Take your time. Do your job. I was, I, and, and, and you could see this wash of relief come over them. Now, you guys know me well enough to know that when I'm in line to buy something, I want to get it and go on. So it wasn't my power. It wasn't my skill set that allowed me to be patient. It was the Holy Spirit that said, hey, why don't you speak a word of grace to these people because they don't usually get grace from customers. And you could just see this, this light quicken in their eyes and, 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 and this comfort and peace settle around them. Everywhere we go, every word that comes out of our mouth, every thought that happens in our mind, every action that we commit with our hands can be, as we are obedient, can be, as we are passionate, the very work of God to love this city with the heart of Christ. We are a sent people. It was Zechariah that God spoke through to, to, to remind us that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. As a sent people, even though many of us cho chose to come here this morning, we are sent by God to be here, to speak words of grace and peace to each other, to be empowered and engaged in passionate worship of the risen and living Christ. And when we finish, we are sent into the world to be God's people, to love this city with the heart of Christ. It's part of the fiber of our being because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So how, how do we do that? Well, um, we let go of ourselves and we abandon ourselves to God's good work in us and around us. And in that act of yielding to Christ, um, we find even greater obedience, even deeper passion than, than we could imagine. And, and one of the things that, that Wesley always said that I love, I love, and, and you've talked about it, he said, the world is my parish. We get assigned to congregations. 
and, and sometimes we call those parishes. But, but Wesley's understanding of ministry for all of God's people is that the whole world is our parish. And everywhere we go, we are sent to be there in that moment, in that time, to bear witness to God's love and grace in this world. Amen? Amen? Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.